What's up, guys? This is Before We're 30, episode two, uh, which is weird because we just filmed episode one. Um, we're basically front-loading this episode because we're going on vacation tomorrow. Ew. Florida. To Florida. 2K19. Dude, it's been like, uh, like what? Six, five, six five, or seven six months, months. Since we like said, okay, we're going to go to Florida. Yeah. And hey, now I, I think we've been... like, holy... I think we've been really tomorrow. talking about it since like October of last year. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah, actually literally right. Yeah, like, literally about to go tomorrow. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. Um, so, first of all, you can find this podcast on what you're probably on, YouTube. Uh, but you can also find it on SoundCloud and maybe uh, Apple Podcasts, depending on how I get things up uh, as we leave to vacation. Uh, episode one went great. Uh, we gave you guys background into who me and Austin are. Um, and basically, that was all the episode was. Uh, but that's not going to be how every episode goes. This will be how every episode goes. Where we'll have a guest, uh, but before we have the guest on, me and Austin will have our little segment where we are open to talk about literally anything in our lives that are happening. Uh, today's guest is very special, uh, Barth Kotner. Yeah. He's the owner of Kotner Funeral Home. He's on city council in Reynoldsburg. He's running for mayor of Reynoldsburg this uh, fall, and he's also our boss. So Yeah, he's uh, pretty much... Anything to do with Reynoldsburg, he's yeah. probably got some sort of man tie. Of many in talents. It. Uh, one of the things that I, that I got from that interview was a lot about the community. Um, but this is the front part. This is the part me and Austin are going to have a little bit of fun in and talk about whatever the heck we want to talk about. Um, so Austin, do you want to start us off, or do you want me to start us off? I'll go right, real go quick. Um, so me and my girl were at home today reading an article. Our friend, our friend Sydney was there too, but we were talking about this this person who was exploring this abandoned zoo park in australia or something it's like some wonder wildlife preserve or anything like it was weird and he went there and it was already abandoned but there was you know those formaldehyde tanks yeah there was a shark still there like a 12 a 12 foot shark this? this is in this is in australia uh, this makes sense for Australia. A 12-foot shark, literally still intact and everything, was just chilling in a formaldehyde tank. Um, you know, like, 90% of Australia is, like, uninhabitable. Like, really? 90, like, the, like it's and, that bad? The only people who live there live on the coast. Yeah, like, I did hear about live, that. Like, they on don't... Sydney. I'm a, all right, keep going with your story. I'm going to look up a population like That's insane, map. dude. No, but uh, in the backstory behind it was it was it was a wildlife preserve center, and they, the shark w- had died by some fishing nets or something, and they took yeah. it there, and they put it in that tank. Poor guy. And they left it. After the park closed down, they just left it there. And it's been like seven years since that shark has just been sitting there dead. This is why they kill us. By the way, do you think that's why? <laughs> this is why they we just us. hold up their dead brothers in a tank, like. Dude, speaking of, I'm sorry, I don't want to go too off topic. No, but speaking of, okay, we have to. I have to show you this, and we're gonna put it in the video. Is it sharks? Form. If is you're, it about if you're sharks? listening to us on audio, I suggest you go to YouTube and watch us because this is gonna be a highly visual show. Um, but keep keep going with your story. Well, no, that's it. So it that's just it. they just they took just it amazed. was just it, yeah it was nuts because I was like why. Why would they keep a shark there, or why did they leave it? Isn't that like a pretty important piece of what you're trying to do? Well, I'm sure in Australia they like hate sharks because they probably eat them. Like they the, the sharks eat the people. Well, <laughs> like yeah, nuts, but right? like yeah, but that's the, that's like not you, that's not the shark's fault. If you lived where wolves live, and wolves like just ate your child, wouldn't you hate wolves? 
depending on the situation at hand, I feel like. <laughs> I well, because I'm, I'm really into, I'm really into, you know, it's like they were here before us. So we kind of got to watch out for them yeah. in a sense. I, I feel like I, I, I think a lot of, like a lot of, because back when I was a kid, I would. Talk a little uh, lower. Or back when I, back when, oh, ooh. <laughs> You're screaming. Back when I was a kid, I would always want to kill animals or kill like snakes and kill birds. Yeah. So you're a serial killer. I thought, I guess. <laughs> I really, like, I would I would Dude, be in my what? backyard with a BB gun, and I would shoot quail, okay, and no, I would no, shoot that's, rats. That's like a normal bird. I mean, bird. That's a normal human thing. Like, I used to shoot birds. Yeah, but now, like, I that's don't think like I can. Ohio suburbs type I don't stuff. think I can do that anymore. So speak, you, you said, what, you were explaining the story, you went into the shark thing. Then you said something else. I forget. You, you said, said that that's why the sharks eat us. Oh, that's why the sharks eat us. And I then, know what you're pulling up. <laughs> Oh like, my god. Bro, the fact that we do this to robots, even though they're just robots. Oh, you think they This is so yeah. rude. Like Yeah, but do you think They're going to sh- when robots get smart enough, they're going to show their friends like, "Hey, look what they did to us." But at the same time, I feel like do you think they do you think they're going to have that cuz I don't think robots delete anything. They they cache it like our phones do. You know our phones never delete anything. I think when when robots get smart enough, they're gonna do that. Right now, say, you know how you delete I turn pictures. Your audio levels down. My you, bad. Oh, keep you're going, good. Keep going. But you delete pictures off your phone, right? Yeah. They're never actually deleted. Oh, yeah, you yeah, can you can delete them. them and then delete your recently deleted after 30 days. You can go through all the steps, clear your cookies and data or whatever, all that. But no, your phones and anything with a Chipping it caches that all that information. I don't know what that process is. So I'm sure on like those robots, they're probably not the same. Cause like yours, but it's like, so easy that's to like do. Consumer I feel like technology, it's, right? I feel like it's it's so easy to do. Oh no, that. for Why sure. When when robots get to the level of like being able to to think, they're gonna show each other these videos. Uh-huh. They're gonna be like, look what they did to us. I dude, we're gonna have a that. problem on our hands. We will. Well, my grandkids are gonna have problems. With I, either, yeah. I, I with always that thought shit. it was gonna be robots or spiders. Hold up, what? Because there's a statistic that's out there where it's like there there's a million spiders to one human. Okay. Yeah, and they're getting bigger and but bigger. But they're like this. They're getting bigger and bigger. Dude, those bird eating spiders. Those, <laughs> no, yeah, the bird eaters, the ones over there in the Middle East, the in the and in the Congo, they said they have spiders that they like from. From leg tip to leg tip, it's like four and a half feet wide. Like if, if that thing what do you jumps d- on yeah, your what face, what do you do if you ca- if that comes up to you and wants it's to eat over. You? It's, it's over. It's over. It jumps on your face. It's over. We're gonna turn into Alien versus Predator <laughs> with spiders. You're just and walking like, through the woods. There's just like a spider in the what background. What are you gonna do when it's a million to one? That's true. <laughs> That's you nuts. know what? You make a lot of sense now. That's nuts. <laughs> we were all worried about AI, but spiders no, crept up worried, on us. Yeah, we're worried about all this like apocalyptic stuff. They're gonna it's be like, the ones no, to kill dude. us. Spiders, like, ugh. <laughs> and they they're not gonna not get bigger. They're gonna get bigger, just like everything else in our world is getting bigger. <laughs> it just so amazes bad. me that like everybody's like. Worried about robots and AI, yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. over here like giant spiders, bro. They'll get you, <laughs> dude. It just makes so much sense, though. <laughs> They'll creep like, up on you. Why? They they like why are they getting bigger? Dude, that's evolution. I know that, but it's like 
dude, why aren't we <laughs> Actually, noticing? that's not evolution. Everything got smaller. Yeah, but it's <laughs> like, like, why aren't we noticing it? Like, why aren't we taking into account, like, into the fact that there's pe- people think people are insane for talking about those Congo, those Congo spiders. And then there was literally a dude who came out and he was like a journalist and he was like, yeah, no one's crazy. He was like, they're out there and they're huge. And I was like, they're out there. This is like like the beginning of a movie. Like guys, you gotta listen to me. They're out there. There's movies about spiders taking over too. For sure. There are, but they're all old. All right. So since we're on a light tone, I have a couple topics I want to talk about, but they're all like kind of serious, but I want to go with the, with the lightness a little bit and we're going to react. And God, my brother's calling me. We're going to react to this trailer. We're going to put the trailer in the video version. If you're on audio, you won't be able to obviously see it. But uh, this is a trailer for Ready or Not. Uh, two, both of the directors who are working on this, I forget their names. Red Band? Um, oh, is that the... No, no, no. Oh. That's just the, the trailer. But uh, two of the directors who worked on this worked on VHS. Mm. Which is a series I think you like. We all watched it. I think Damien was me, really me upset. Da- yeah, Damien watched it a lot. So one dude. of our friends, Damien, was really obsessed with it. So the director <laughs> of that made this. So we're gonna. I can't believe that it happened. I can't believe that in half an hour I will be a part of the Ladomus Gaming Dynasty Empire. Uh, Dominion. Oh, okay. Dominion. <laughs> Immediately. Okay. Hold up. Immediately. Immediately. Wait, wait. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. How did they get the girl? How did they get the old woman from Monsters Inc. to be in this movie? <laughs> Oh. Mike Wazowski. No, she looks ugh, dude. That's, looks that's already horrible. creepy. You already know she's going to be like crawling in the background of the scene. There's just one more thing. And then you are officially part so of the getting family. getting married. Oh, shoot, dude. Now it's getting creepy. So at midnight, you have to play a game. Oh, okay. Why? It's just something we do when someone new joins the family. A game. What? Nah, game? son. Nah, son. Hide and seek? Are we really going to play that? Well. The rules are simple. You can hide anywhere. We then yeah. try There's something really you. creepy so about rich people. there's no way for me to win, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, thank you. Good luck. I think it's they have so much free time on their hands, they do the worst possible things <laughs> to each other. <laughs> they just, they like just like think that. about it all day. Like, how can we mess with the poor? <laughs> how can we mess with the poor? Oh! <laughs> Oh my god! Does she look like she's wearing a wedding dress, Emily? <laughs> Hold up! You can see the audio levels go crazy. Yeah, no, what were they doing? Hold up. I have to replay that real quick. Oh my god. Yo, that's nuts. Why are they all acting like that? We're done with this trailer. I don't want to spend any more time on it. That's nuts. But yeah, there's something very creepy about rich people. I've, I've, what I'm like I don't know about, what it is, but like that and uh, what's the movie by Jordan Peele? My mind. Uh, Get Out. Uh huh. And the Rothschilds. It's kind of like that. Like that whole thing was like race and stuff. Like they're white. Blah blah blah. blah. But yeah, it was also that they were rich. Yeah, that kind of got me. And the Rothschilds, dude. The whole conspiracy behind is. them, it's this European dynasty family that pretty much apparently owns, like, the world. Wow. Like, they, like, they're, 
like it, the whole thing behind it is that all the world leaders meet up together and meet with with him with the Rothschilds, and so it's like a group of people, like a council. No, it's a it's a family. It's like a king. It's like he they're the they're the king and queen of the world. Of the world, straight up. It's That's supposed weird. to be like yeah, it's like a conspiracy theory. Yeah, but it's like almost de- I'm pretty sure there it's like really in depth. It's like one of the biggest conspiracies like the Bohe- the bohemian grove all that I've heard stuff of that one. I, heard, I heard that one wasn't as serious though like it, they weren't trying to do anything. i think that's just shit, a bunch of weirdos yeah, it's just a bunch of rich rich old white men i feel like pe- rich people just don't ha- they have all the time in the world and they just think of the and most they're tired of doing do. no they're tired of doing poor people's way of having fun and they're like <laughs> screw it we got all this money that's true we bro. can kill people and that's get true. away with it like if so. like if i could like if you could skydive, you would skydive. Right. Like you would go down but you would do mountains and stuff. And you'd be done with yeah, it. then you'd be like, all right, what's the next thing? And then you run out of things, and you're like, let's kill poor people. Yeah, it's <laughs> like let's let's trick someone into thinking they're in our family. And then they're like, then they're like, well, what if we get caught? And then they're like, no, 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 no. we're rich, so like we could just bribe the police. Right, and it's like no one's gonna look twice about sense. it. Yeah, it makes sense. That, this, is, this is why I think I'm scared of uh, rich people. I think that and rich people, they just. You can't. You don't know their true can't intention. Trust them. Yeah. You can't trust them. You because you know if someone's rich, they had to cross someone at some point. You think? You think <laughs> that's the key? That's my dad's thinking. Whenever I talk to my dad about rich people, he's like, "Trust me, they trust always me, cro- they always cross someone." I mean, they that's 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 sometimes true. But real quick about horror movies, don't you really like how they're they're starting to like at least these directors are starting to really branch out and think about what scares people the most. Besides yeah, it's, it just it's, being, it's getting on another level of like we're not just going to make like a monster or yeah, like a killer. Or a it's going to be like something in society that creeps that fear, you out. Yeah, yeah. That, that's just that fear. that Like makes a real you, fear. I've always said like I, I, I'm an amateur screenwriter and none of my screenplays are really good right now, but I'm working on it. So I've always said in my writings, like I try to stray as least far from the truth as possible. Like I, I want my screenplays to be as close to the truth because I feel like the truth is like the most scary thing. Yeah. Like the truth literally. about us and like society and, and how everything works is the most scary. And just thing. think, look at the past couple of horror movies that have come out um, recently. They've all been either based on true events or just kind of a really commentary screwed on, up. on society. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Like you're totally right. Like hereditary. Like I, like I'm like, I fanboy a lot over like a 24 now. And like just those directors in general, a 24 is killing it. Though. Yeah. They make a lot of, but a like, lot of like Eb night Shalomalan. And I don't think that's his, I don't <laughs> think that's how you say his name, <laughs> but I say his name wrong every time. I know. M night Shalomalan Malikum. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, what well, does just start saying? M Dude, night. if you, I mean, if you have that complicated of a name, yeah, I'm going to say it wrong. It. Like you're going right. <laughs> to, it's like school. You're going to get bullied. Right. Like I'm going to say it wrong. So just get used to it. <laughs> But they just, they've been going really hard with like really making sure you're scared and like not just scared of what's in the movie, just like you're scared. Yeah. Yeah, Like hereditary. I was scared. I was like, what if that's real? Okay. No, we're about to spoil the movie really bad. Spoilers for hereditary. When her head pops off. Oh my God. Oh, I I didn't even know. It was like, it was like one of those moments where my jaw just drops. Yeah. And you just look at the TV screen and you're like, what? And it the? wasn't in the trailer at all. And that's Not a single great. Part. They marketed that so great. Another thing I'm hating, Netflix, I will call you out on this right now. You got to stop putting the whole movie in a trailer. 
Yeah, yeah that's the it. worst thing. Especially I, with like a psychological movie like yeah. that. If they would have shown her head popping off, he'd be like, oh. The whole movie would have been shot. Yeah, he'd be like, oh, her head's going to pop off and some crazy other stuff's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, like that's the That's whole, literally the, that's what makes the movie. That moment is like, whoa. And, and then it, you're and on it, edge for the rest of the it movie. It turned the whole movie upside down because I was sitting here thinking the daughter was the yeah, one that was going to be the weird one. one. Right. And it, right. <laughs> she would just, she was just fraud. Spoilers are over, by the way. You yeah. Can listen again. It's it just like. That those directors need to be kept safe, you know. For sure, for sure. All right, I'm gonna move on to my next thing. Kind of still lighthearted, but kind of not. So, if you didn't know, O.J. Simpson is back on Twitter. Is back on social media. And wait, hold on. He's not <laughs> dead, is he? Do you even know? Reason, do you even know who O.J. Simpson is? Not to an extent. I know the whole O.J. Simpson okay. versus the people in that so, he killed his he killed yeah, his wife. Yeah. So this is kind of this is kind of why I wanted to bring this up. Really, is because I feel like there's there's moments of history that like are taught in schools mm-hmm. and that are like they drill into our heads. And I'm not saying those things you shouldn't learn those things. You should definitely learn like yeah. the Civil War, the Revolution, World War Two. Uh, even like close things like uh, 9/11. 9/11. You definitely work. You should definitely know yeah, those. Yeah. But then there's these events in like society and history where they're like lesser known or lesser taught that you should really know. Honestly, and I think it'll teach you lessons about life. One of those things is the is the whole case of O.J. Simpson and like the 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 trial and how big that trial was for race relations and stuff. Yeah. I feel like that's huge. And like when I looked at this, it just reminded me of like I didn't really know. O.J. Simpson or like the story or anything until the the miniseries. Until Honestly, they came yeah. O.J. and that, what, I don't right, think a lot because I don't think a lot of people really understood the situation. Well, I feel like older people did, but I yeah. feel like people in our generation, our generation we don't get really taught it. Care, no yeah. one really like tells you about it. I think my biggest my my biggest ones in terms of like crime, like crazy crime that happened was that that case with the little girl in Florida. The what was it, Kate? No clue what you're talking about. It was, you got to educate me. It was what huge, happened? dude. I don't. I forget her name, but it was this big thing about this lady that like was like her daughter was missing, and she like made the reports on it and everything, and she was the one that killed her daughter. And there was there was substantial Yo. there was substantial evidence that it was the one that they thought she was the one that killed her, and I think she got Did away. They arrested. No, oh, it, she went to court over it. Wow. It was huge. It was huge back in like 2007, 2008, um, and then Zimmerman. Yeah, that was that's Zimmerman a, that's was a big, a big one. one. Yeah, so all these things are like things that I think people should know or be aware about. So if you don't know about OJ Simpson, of course, Simpson, all of these are in Florida. Go, dude, go, re- <laughs> go research it. Simpson, all that. Just go research that. Um, that's your homework. But he came out on Twitter. He has a Twitter account now. Wow. He said he's mostly going to be talking about sports and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the first things he posted this was Father's Day too, uh, so it's kind of significant. Um, this is from the source.com. OJ says about uh, the Kardashians. So he's talking about the Kardashians. Uh, if you don't know, he was close friends with Bob Kardashian, uh, which was the father of all of them. Yeah. Uh, Bob Kardashian, quote, Bob Kardashian was like a brother to me. Uh, he was a great guy. He met and married Chris, and they had a really terrific time together when they were together. Fortunately, that ended, but never. I want to stress in any way, shape, or form did I ever express any interest in Chris romantically or sexually. So a lot of people were thinking uh, because of his manager – spreading rumors like basically saying like oj simpson was involved with his Chris manager romantically. Was, spread, was, yeah, spreading was like spreading stuff? was spreading wow. these uh these rumors uh i know pardo is p-a-r-d-o is like part of the manager's name um i don't know if that's his first name or his last name but 
So yeah, he was spreading these rumors that OJ was like uh was involved with Chris and then it went a step further and people thought that OJ is Chloe's dad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was like one what? of the first things <laughs> I just thought it was weird. It was right. like on Father's Day, this was one of the first things he posted. He goes on to say, quote, Chloe, like all the girls I'm very proud of. Uh, but the simple fact of the matter is she's not mine. So he like put those rumors and stuff to bed. That's you know what? And I'm starting to see a lot of that uh, with these with these newer age cats, too, is like an, a lot of people don't understand loyalty, even when you're in a big situation like that. Like, look at the FaZe Clan right now where we talked about last episode direction, with that little kid. Oh, yeah, 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 that guy. He and I, I did more research on that. Um, they were in a, they were in a, they were in a deal and like an endorsement deal. He hit Tifu and phase where it was like, um, they, it was like 80, 20 for a lot of stuff. And then 60, 40 for a lot of stuff. Yeah. But a lot of the 80, 20 stuff was because, you know, phase was a real big reason why he was there. You know, if it wasn't for phase, he probably wouldn't have gotten those same opportunities. That's why yeah. they felt the 80, 20 thing was right. And he, he understood all that and knew it before he signed the contract. Yeah. Like every person is supposed to in, yeah. in, in law, it's science. Read something before you, write, before you sign sense. it. Did you and just say it's science? It, <laughs> I don't it think, is science. <laughs> They're like, read hold up, let's, let's take a break from Newton's it. law and you're going to read this before you, before you sign it. I mean, but like, it's just, That's, I don't know. Yeah, yeah you're right. That's common on, practice. Go yeah, ahead. and then he went on to say how they were taking all his money and doing all this and doing that. And it's like, well, bro you read the contract and you signed it. So yeah. at that time you had to have had a reasoning to, un to, to like that deal. So it's like, if maybe you're just sad about it now and are yeah, trying yeah. to get something different and they said, nah, which the, I feel like that was the case for the kids defense. Case, he is 11. So no, 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 no. This is Tifu. This is the, Oh, this is a, a whole nother guy. This is the older guy. So, so was the 11 year old for phase or was he another clan? He's phase two, but the, okay. only, the only issue with him is he was lying about his A's on stream. Okay, okay. He wasn't making so, phase yeah, a crap ton okay. of they can't even he can't even sign a contract yet. Okay, all right. Because he's well, eleven. Wasn't Tifu connected to he was the eleven year old? Tifu was the one who snitched. Oh okay. See, I get so it. he I get so it. he got so he, he was felt pissed salty. and then he decided to snitch on the eleven year old. <laughs> wow, dude. It's like why would you have a motive to snitch on an eleven year old if your own career is Yeah, this is another thing. Like when you when something bad ha I hate the moment when something bad happens in someone's life and they're like, I need to suffer with somebody. Like, yeah. I, I like someone needs to go down with me. Right. Yeah. It's like if I'm going in, you're going down. That's with me such attitude. a that's such a fake like nonsense attitude. That's yeah. like, bro, if you're going to think that way, like you don't deserve any. You don't deserve to play video games for a lot of money. Friends. Exactly. Like, yeah. You if you're if that whole situation because it's your like, mindset. bro. Yeah. And it goes back to when I'm getting in trouble at Summit Road. I mean. At the same time, no offense, like Jared, bro, I love you, but this is your fault. Talking about Jared Davis? Yeah, we we run, we were running. Hey, we call out people on this podcast. Yeah, right, bro. I'm sick of it. I'm, I'm with Damian, Colin Corcoran, and Jared Davis. Tune in. We were we were doing dumb stuff at Summit when we weren't supposed to. Ended up getting caught up. We were running from the so feds. These are childhood friends for those of you who are yeah. not familiar with our lives. Running from the feds at one point. We dip, we dip, dodge, and duck into the woods. <laughs> and me and Jared Davis are like, we're going to make a break for it over there and see if the – because the cop was there for a while. He, he wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. He pretty much knew where he had us. So how old are you in this we were We were like 13. Okay. Child antics. Yeah. And then – so me and Jared are like, screw it. And we're behind 
summit with the with the swamps and stuff at the time we didn't know yeah. that's what it was uh, it was a, it was like a preserve okay and then so we start running and all of a sudden we're we're like neck deep trying to swim for our lives <laughs> in this pond and we get out and jared's like i lost my phone oh. and my shoes <laughs> and i was like in the <laughs> pond he's like yeah <laughs> and he goes back in and he gets his phone he got his phone. He found it? Yeah, he got his phone. He was like, I can't find my shoes though, bro. And we get up and we're sitting there soaking, dude. And the cop is still all the way down there. He can't see a thing. So he has no clue what we're doing. And we're like sitting there like, dude, what should we do? And Jared was like, we got to go to the cop. And I was like, what? No, dude. No, 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 no. And what a like, responsible kid. Like, Let's go, dude. Come on. And I was just like, boom, bro. And then, and then he was like, Damien, Colin. Oh, on, he pulled that. And yeah, and then they were like, they were just like, dang, bro, like we would have waited out in those woods. <laughs> and I was like, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> but it, it's just like, like he he was like, we gotta all go down. I mean, at the at the time, we were like, that's yeah, kid stuff. So like, it's not as serious. Yeah, now I would have yeah. been like, fuck you, dude. You just need to go to the cops yourself. <laughs> yeah, my shoes are intact. I don't have my phone on me. Like. I'm cool with being that's wet. A, that's such a nut story. Yeah, um, that was nuts. We yeah. felt badasses the next day at school too. Like moral, moral of this long-winded story of Austin running from the cops in a swamp. Don't bring people. Nobody has to experience negative things with you. Yeah, like, you don't have to bring people down with you. If you're experiencing something negative, it's fine to talk to people, but like snitching on people or, or trying to get them in trouble the same way that you're big, in trouble. Big cause of bullying too. Yeah. Yeah, so just stay away from it for for everybody's sake. The last thing I want to talk about, uh, this then gets into like the semi-serious stuff. Um, So today, so two weeks ago, Austin, you know this, uh, I'm in the National Guard. As I mentioned in the first episode, I went to annual training with the National Guard. So annual training went really well. I got paid a pretty good amount of money to just shoot grenade launchers and like chill and do some paperwork. It was boring, but it it was worth it. Um, so I come back, I'm settled in. Then my sergeant texts me and says, Hey, you have to come in for two more extra days to make up a drill that you missed a while ago. So I was like, fine. Okay. All right. So you went, so, back. so I yesterday, so went to that long AT came back with thought I was going to have a break until next uh, drill. I ended up not having a break. I had to go in yesterday and then today, right before the podcast. Really? That's where you were at. Yeah. And so I'm in like the office today and, and I'm expecting to get out at a certain time. Yeah. Like I'm expecting to get out at two. That's what they told me. And so boom, I'm doing the work, doing the work. It hits two o'clock hits. And she's like, Hey, and my sergeant's like, yeah, you have to do more stuff. And it's like, Oh geez. And then, so it, that just kept and it's happening. That, it's like, you can't tell the army. No. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, I can't it's not like a job where yeah, you can yeah. be like, I'm out. Dude, exactly. Dude. So it's sort of this thing where like my boss just told me I had to stay long and I can't say a thing. Like what? It's, just, it's more important than, than protection and safety of your country. <laughs> Not <laughs> only that, but whatever it's like, you got is more important than serving your country and everything that we fought for. And I just look at him and be like, that's why you're not in the army. Right, yeah. <laughs> Cause you'd be like, know. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would, I'd be like, honestly. Yeah. No, no. Um, so, so I, I deal with it. I'm doing, I'm going throughout the day. This mic is really messed up. Oh, well, um, I'm going throughout the day and I just had this like feeling on my mind of like when, when I'm in the most negative parts of my life, I feel like that fuels me the most. Cause like 
I was there. I, I knew like, oh, I'm going to have to rush home so that I can be on this podcast, which is very important to me. Um, I might miss the podcast or I might be late for the podcast. And so all this is going through my mind as I'm doing like medial tasks, like cleaning the floor and like right. hanging up photos and mm-hmm. stupid stuff like that. So I was like, man, these are the moments that really make me want to be successful and make me want to go further and drive further. I just wanted to give our listeners and our viewers yeah. a little message of like, whenever you're in a negative point in your life or whenever you're having a bad day or whatever, just think and let that fuel whatever you're doing outside mm-hmm. of that, that bad time. So like in sports, if you're playing basketball and you twist your ankle and you can't practice for the rest of the day, it's fine. Just let that fuel you. Let, let that, the energy that you feel right there, fuel your next practice or feel your, your game. No, no matter what you're doing, just yeah. let those negative moments sort of fuel, fuel the you rest gotta, of your You got to embrace it. You got to yeah. embrace every part, every parts of life. If that's a, that's a big problem with yeah. social media nowadays too, is everyone's posting the pie everyone's posting the good everyone's, everyone's a, their PR agent. The goods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone's posting the, the goods. smiles. No the, one the, wants the to post photos. anything else. Yep. You know, totally and right. I feel like if people did a little bit more of posting everything else, yeah. Um, you because we're really all human. We all, we all experience the yeah. negative parts. Like yeah, we all, we like all that know that doesn't exist there. on social media. Exactly. It's like everyone has perfect lives. Yeah. That's not the case. And that's where we spend the majority of our time. So what are we going to think? Oh, everyone lives perfect lives. And now this negative thing happens to me and it's the end of the world. I literally realized that these past, like almost yeah. this past almost two years. Yeah. I, I like, almost never take what I see on social media for like, Oh, that's that person's life. Or like, yeah. that's the way that my life's supposed to be. I, I feel like that's very important. I think honestly, I look up to the people that don't post as much. Like yeah. this dude, Sam Colder, yeah. hadn't posted in like two months since That reminds me of, you remember a while ago when I showed you a tweet of, um, it, it was like, uh, like a, basically like a mocking tweet where it was like, dudes who say they, they, they move silently. Yeah, at, yeah. Look, and it, and like, it says, look how silent I move. Look, yeah. look, I'm moving so silently. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like people love to brag and love to like put on like, oh, I'm doing all this work. I'm doing all mm-hmm. this. But they don't like to talk about the negative parts. And we all know it's there. Like we all yeah. know there's some, like no there, matter where you are, are in life, there's something negative. People happening. are like, I'm grinding all the way to the top. It's like, are you grind? Are you at the top right now? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. Why are you on so Twitter? tell me that you're struggling. Tell yeah. me that it's hard work or else I'm going to sit there and think it's 100 percent easy and do it and not take you as seriously for doing it because Boom. it's easy as heck for you too, obviously. Boom. And I think that also helps with like authenticity, you know, in, in my free time, I'm, I'm a work as a brand builder. Like mm-hmm. I, I work on marketing and branding more so branding. And one of the first things that I always say when I'm writing a message or when I'm creating a graphic or creating a video where we're editing a video, how authentic is this to whatever we're doing? Right. Like how real is this piece of content or this, this flyer or whatever? Because at the end of the day, I feel like so many people are fake on social media and so many people don't like to show the aspects that really people are interested in and people want to see. The bad thing is, is that carries on into your real life after a certain point, though. Like all those fake, all those fake followers and all that clout you say you have on Instagram, uh, it's going to turn into your real life, bro. You got sooner or later, you're going to start telling your family certain stuff and you're going to start telling your friends. You're so correct. And they're gonna catch you lacking if it's not true. And People what's funny is we, we, I'm sure you've been there before, and I yeah. know I've been there before. I've been there plenty of times. When I'm like, "Hey, mom, yeah, I got straight A's, I got straight uh, A's," yeah, and then yeah, your yeah. report card comes in, and you're like, oh, "I got straight C's." <laughs> or, or like, I I remember back back in like eighth or ninth grade, I told I told um, one of my buddies that like, "Oh, I met someone famous." Like, yeah, yeah, I met him. Bro. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Came to what's it called? 
And he was like, no, that's not true. And I was like, how are you finna tell me you weren't there? And he was like, I was there. He totally called you out. Yeah, he was like, I was, it was at some convention. He was like, I was there and you weren't there and no one else that you just said was there. And I was just like. People catch it. People catch the flex. They catch the flex on social media in real life. So stop acting like someone else. Stop acting like the negative aspects of your life aren't there and just present real, like just present authentic. I'm telling you, if a brand or a person show me their real self, I'm way more likely to do whatever they want me to do. So like if Nike shows the real Nike, they show the real Colin Kaepernick, I'm more willing to buy some Nikes. Yeah. If Austin Back, a SoundCloud rapper, whatever, I'm not saying you're a SoundCloud rapper, right. but if a SoundCloud rapper shows me, you know, how hard it is to create a song in the studio, I'm way more likely to, to follow him on right. SoundCloud. Or to like listen talk to about music. something real that's exactly. going on. I mean, and, it, and that's not to dish on the people who talk about gangbanging and stuff like that, because there's a lot if, of you out there that if that's, your, that's life, your life. If that's authentic, I want to hear about that and too. And that's why, that's why people, that's why it's so weird for people to pick a certain genre of music and stuff too, because they'll be like, well, all he's doing is rapping about yeah. guns and killing people and it's like well that was his life that was his, that's all what he, he knows how to rap about yep. and he raps pretty darn good about it uh, so. on the same flip of the coin though don't be from the suburbs saying that you kill people that's true <laughs> like, that's another thing like if you're in your mom's garage <laughs> talking about slanging dope and doing all that it's like just be authentic man yeah. that, that's our message today um so we're going to go into our guest interview with barth Kotner. Uh, it was, it was, we're recording this before the interview actually. So it was a great interview. Uh, some things that you guys can learn community service was a big thing that we talked to him about, yeah. uh, knowing sort of not knowing what you're going to do when you get older and how that's okay. And how Barth worked through that to become the man he is today. Uh, some great lessons in there for you guys. So I can't wait for you guys to see that. Uh, one thing I want to talk about real quick before we, uh, log off for the day, um, we really want your guys' questions. We really want to interact with yeah. you guys uh, and answer your questions about us and about the process of creating the podcast. Because we're not the smartest two at people all. In, at the, all. in the drawer or anything so, like so that. I, so as, I'm, as I always say, well, as I said on last episode, as I'll keep saying on these episodes, we're only two people, but maybe our perspectives matter to someone. Maybe, yeah. maybe someone has dealt with the things that we're dealing with. And you guys' perspectives matter to us too. Like exactly. That's why we have, we're going to have all these guests on and stuff. So... Um, I want you guys, I really urge you guys to ask us a question. You can either DM me or Austin on social media. The good thing about not being famous is that you guys can just DM us whenever you want or tag us on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, our social media names will be in uh, the link below. Uh, or you can email if you're old fashioned like that, uh, before we're 30 at gmail.com. So before W E R E 30 at gmail.com if the cool thing about dm and those will probably uh give you a small shout out yeah for real um so dm us your questions about basically anything about this episode or last episode anything about our lives that you guys want to know more about uh anything you want us to elaborate on so with that i think we're good um thank you guys for watching we hope you enjoy this segment with barth Kotner. no it looks it looks it look they both look pretty spanned out What's up, guys? We're back with Before We're 30. I'm here with Austin, and to the left side of me, someone very special to me in Austin, uh, served basically as a mentor for me for the last two or three years, uh, and for Austin for the last year or two. Um, it's Barth Cotner. Uh, <laughs> hi. Uh, Barth is, a, is the owner and operator of Cotner Funeral Home, uh, but he wears many other titles in the community uh, and around uh, the city of Reynoldsburg. Uh, so, Barth, I want to get started real quick on sort of your origins. Give us from, from the time you were born uh, up till about high school. 
the, from the time I was yep. born. So where you were born, give us give us the details. You're going really far. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I'll, I'll try to give the abbreviated version because I don't think really that's a, a, all that interesting to too many people. But um, to me, it's a pretty cool story, and I'm pretty, pretty blessed with my life. Uh, I was actually adopted, and so uh, it's not something that I, you know, wear around that I tell everybody about, but it's something that I'm very thankful for. Um, I was... Uh, Brought home from the hospital when I was five days old. Um, the, the story, you know, still clear as day. My mom always told that uh, uh, back when they had their other funeral home in the south end of Columbus, uh, one of their employees came out the door and said, Mrs. Cotner, there's a phone call for you, and it's an attorney. And my mom's uh, reply immediately to that was, uh, Walter, the gentleman's name was Walter. I said, Walter, that can only mean there's somebody that needs us. There's a baby that needs us. And lo and behold, I was that baby. So um, that was uh, just after I was born, and mom and dad came to the hospital and took me home. So, uh, so that's kind of where the first origins were, um, and, and you know, it was part of my life that I always had. I never really had that moment where I was told I was adopted. I was just adopted, and mom and dad were always mom and dad. My brother was always my brother, and it was just part of my normal life story is that uh, mom and dad chose me, and I got to be part of a wonderful family. And um, that's, that's kind of the very beginning origins. Aside from that, it was just great childhood, normal childhood. Loved growing up in Reynoldsburg. Um, times when, you know, we would, you know, go out and play in the parking lot here, you know, and we'd play ball, we'd throw in the baseball, we'd, you know, have our games, we'd play tennis across the parking lot. We would, uh, you know, get on our bikes and do all kinds of tricks. Uh, we'd ride our bikes down to the park. I mean, during the summer, I grew up at JFK Park. We'd go to JFK Park in the morning, play ball. Um, just mm-hmm, whatever back. kids happen to be there, we'd meet up, play ball for a while. Um, gets real hot, we'd go under the bridge, over the pool, swim for a while. Um, you know, always seemed like there was a baseball game that night or a practice or something. Head back to the fields for practice and um, or a game. And then, you know, just, just cool things. Just a great, simple life. Um, again, blessed with great parents. Um, one brother and you know just our life was centered around this community and growing up in Reynoldsburg and still have tons of great memories about it um, from there you know I again just went to school just kind of very average kid I had great teachers in this community I had great leaders great coaches I uh, just I can I can go on and on about a lot of the fun and fantastic things and the people uh, that invested into my life very early on so real quick because I, I had a friend um when I was in high school, I was friends with him around sophomore, junior year, then we sort of disconnected. But can you tell me a little bit about how different being adopted is towards being, you know, mm-hmm. a biological sure. uh, kid of someone? Because my friend, uh, there, there were struggles, I think, for him. Yeah. Um, and then, then there weren't struggles. There were things that he enjoyed about it. So can you give us a little light on that? It's it's hard for me because I never want to come across as judgmental of it because I, I was very fortunate. And I know that there were many other people who, who have been adopted that didn't have the same uh, privilege that I did. And for, for a variety of reasons, you know, and again, there, there was nothing I did. I just happened to uh, have the family that came along at the right time that I got to be adopted into. And I think, again, one of the cool parts with ours was I just was, ne- it was never an unknown. It was so young. It was always part of, though, I was chosen by them. I, and I, mom and dad always just, they didn't keep it a secret. It wasn't a you know, discovery one day that you're like, oh my gosh, I was adopted. You're not my real mom and yeah. dad. I always knew. And so I think that was a positive that mom and dad, they didn't want to keep it a secret. 
they wanted that to be part of who I was and part of our family story. So I can't say that, you know, there was anything that I did special or they did special. I think it just happened to be how they chose to raise me and to raise our family. So others weren't so fortunate. They, they might have been adopted into a situation that the family had different struggles. And, and that's, again, that's, that's nothing that I can comment on. I was just really fortunate. We, we, I was treated just like any other normal everyday kid. And mom and dad were mom and dad. Uh, I never felt like I needed to go out and search down, you know, how I was created or who gave birth to me. Um, to me, from day one, mom and dad were mom and dad. And that's exactly how I still feel to this day. That's awesome. So then when you get into into high school, I'm interested because, you know, we go past your childhood real fast, but I'm interested in later birth. Um, okay. Because to me, it seems so odd and to a lot of people, it might seem odd that you're in the career choice that you're in, especially when you talk to high school kids um, who know very little about the funeral home industry or maybe some know a little bit more, but most uh, don't directly choose that career path. So Give us a little bit of how you grew up with the funeral home and, and how you grew up uh, with your parents sort of focusing on the funeral home. There's a variety of stories even with, with that of, of friends that I knew through, through lifetimes that may have grown up in a funeral home um, and, and had a funeral home family. So to us, it was, it was part of our normal everyday living. Um, we were, our home was connected to the funeral home, so we did have the ability to separate uh, mom and dad did want to make sure we had uh, a normal life, a normal childhood. So, you know, there weren't caskets in the living room. You know, it wasn't something bizarre like that. But we would come through the funeral home. And so it wouldn't be unusual that I would be seeing someone that had passed away or to see a casket being delivered. Uh, so there was, a, there was a blend in there. Things that some people would find extremely unusual and creepy. Um, things that others think, oh, well, that's really not as bad as maybe what I made it out to be. So we were fortunate that we had a separation. I think the biggest thing that happened that I would really say with my childhood growing up connected to the funeral home is mom and dad were adamant that we would have respect. We would, you know, when there was a showing, when there was a funeral service, because the house and the funeral home were adjoined and because we were in such close quarters with that, we had to make sure we were quiet. Um, I have a brother who's five years older than me and he, you know, he and I, we were brothers, you know, there were times he picked on me and he'd do whatever he could to torment me. Um, there were times that I got mad and I wanted to yell and tell. And then we knew that if there's a service going on, we better be quiet and we better make sure that we're not uh, causing problems and we didn't want to be uh, having anybody in the funeral home hearing us yelling or something going on. So they taught us very early that our families are really important, so you will have respect, and you will be quiet, and you will treat them just as though we were there. Um, so I think that's one of the big things that came away from that. Certainly, I got into funeral service because of our family. It's not something that I always thought I would do. And you know, especially once you get to the high school area, people start asking those questions. What are you going to do when you get older? What's your plans? Where are you going to go to school? Right. Where are you going to? And inevitably, then it's followed up with well, you're not going to do that, are you? Are you, are you, you know, I didn't look like a funeral director. You know, I didn't, you're not, what are you going to do? And I said, oh, I don't know. I, all I ever knew is that I was not going to go into funeral service. I was certain of that. That was all the way up until my sophomore year of college that I was certain funeral service is not where I was heading. So it was anything but, and that was my answer all the way through. Anytime somebody asked, 
uh, junior high, high school all of it. I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm doing, uh, but oh no, no, I, I'm, funeral service, that's, that's not for me. That's what dad did, that's mom. I, I'm not going into the funeral. What was your what was your high school experience like? Almost kind of dive in on that a little bit. Um, it was good. You know, I was I was really fortunate to be involved in sports. Right. And you know, school, the education part to me came pretty easily. And and, and again, I keep saying so many times in my life, I'm really fortunate because I knew people that they had to work really hard. Just to understand some basic, um, you know, principles. Just understand yeah. what was going on in a, a science class or what was going on in in their math class. Um, I never, you know, realistically applied myself deeply into school. I, I was able to um, do everything else. You know, I, I I started working early on. I had a job delivering newspapers. I worked at the funeral home different times. And, you know, again, sports, it was always, you know, whether it was basketball, soccer, baseball, you know, I was always playing something. So the school part to me, I was really fortunate. It came smoothly. I didn't, I didn't struggle with it. Um, I'd pay attention in class. I was a good kid. Um, I listened to what was going on and did the things I was supposed to do. So fortunately, I was able to pick up, you know, the teachers would be saying things and I'd, I'd absorb it in class. Um, I did the basic homework that I needed to do. And, and that allowed me to get by. You know, I didn't have, I, I don't know what my GPA was. Couldn't answer that, but I could tell you what anything special. They even have GPAs back uh, yeah, then? Yeah, they did. Not, you had to carve them in there. You ate people so bad. No, because like, I mean. Did they use tablets back then or not? Well, no. I mean, my mom grew up around the same time you did in Reynoldsburg. And she would always tell me how the school system was a lot different than what it is now. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, this, this, the community has grown a lot over those years. Mm-hmm. You know, back then it was definitely a smaller community. We had the one high school, of course. Right. Those things were very different. But uh, like I said, yeah, I was I was very average and, and my grades were very average. You know, my goal was make sure my grades stayed good enough to stay on the teams. You right. Know, that, that's, that's what motivated Every sports kid's, yeah. every sports kid's dream. It, it really is. And that's why I think one of the other great parts of school extracurricular activities are not everybody's motivated to be a doctor and Definitely. make sure that they're getting that four point great GPA. Right. But if they're motivated to know that their basketball coach is going to be on their backside, yeah. if they get a D, you know, their, their, their football coach is going to be down there breathing down their neck if they fail a subject. Um, so I think again, when that partnership of the school, um, academic side, you know, partners with a good coach mentor and that side, it, it can create those opportunities to see people get excited and they can learn something that otherwise they might not have. And so that was definitely me. I, I, I learned what I needed to learn. I knew how to do the basics and I made sure I did it, but I didn't, I didn't apply overly in the academic side. And, and it wasn't until again, into college that I said, wait a minute, I don't get to play sports my whole life. I'm not going to be a professional baseball player. I better start paying attention. So this, this is the thing that interests me uh, for a lot of people when they play sports in high school. When was the point where you realized, this, I don't have a future in this? Because that was, that was a, a That's hard... That's the biggest step for every kid. Yeah, we've had our first episode, and we were going over basically our, where we come from and our origins and stuff, and that was the one thing that we both keyed in on is the moment that we said, i got to be realistic here. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably not going to go to the next step. When, when was that point for you? You know, that's a great question, and I'm, and I'm going to just, you know, again, brag on you, because I remember when we sat down initially meeting, and you were like, yeah, I'm not going to be, re- excuse me, I'm not going to be wrestling, I'm not going to be playing baseball, you yeah. know, I, I'm going to start focusing on 
you know, what I'm going to do the next step. And I, I knew that all along. I mean, you know, I was a very average player of everything. Um, no, no matter what sport I played, I played with every bit of energy that I had. You could get by pretty I, much. I, I, yeah, I could get by. I mean, I, I was, I could get by in school, you know, because again, I was physically, I was not talent gifted. You know, I was your very average kid that would just blend right in. Um, but because of how much I loved to play, you know, I went to, you know, get basketball camp, baseball camp, soccer mm-hmm. camps. I went to all these things. I studied these games. I wanted to get better. So I always had the, the mental part where I could see what was going to happen. And I really learned how it happened. I learned the techniques that I needed to do to get better and to get every ounce of value out of my body that I could. Um, I love to, you know, get dirty. I love to dive after the loose balls, whatever it would be. Yeah. So again, the, the grit, the hard part of the game, you know, I love that, you know, and if I didn't leave a basketball game without a bloody nose or a scraped up knee that's bleeding, you know, I, I felt like I didn't give it my best effort. It's, so it's insane how much we change because you say that and I could never imagine you as like scraped up and, scraped and, and, knees and ready to go battle. Yeah. Gritty. Yeah. It's, and, it's so hard uh, for me to see you like that. Yeah. I, I, but that was, that was it. I, you know. Couldn't wait to get to play any game. And that's, like I said, I, my limitations were very real. But if I worked my, my myself out on that court and I really worked my tail off, I could I could be successful. And so, you know, again, I get the loose balls. I dive into the sidelines, you know, and that's what I just, I love to do those kind of things. I love to play as aggressive as I could. So that to me was fun. I felt like all throughout high school was, okay, I could have a chance to play something in college. I knew that I wasn't great. Um, I knew that I wasn't going to be a Buckeye, you know, I, every kid, I would love to have been, yeah. you know, I love yeah. going to their as everyone basketball would. camp, yeah. you know, and I mean, I remember playing at St. John Arena and thinking it was yeah. the coolest thing in the world. Um, so yeah, that's all cool, but I knew that wasn't my reality. So I realized it and I kind of knew it. There was never a real epiphany. It was just a, a realization all along of I'm enjoying the heck out of this. I'm going to do as much as I can. And, and, and I'm going to keep pushing this because I love to play. And if I keep working, maybe I'm going to get to play something in college. And maybe I'll get some chances when I get there. Um, and, and, and that's that's kind of where it was with me through high school. I, I knew the realities uh, and I accepted the realities, but I wanted to still soak up every bit that I could while I was able. For, for me, it was, it was much of the same way. Uh, but I talked to Austin about this. It, it was, you know, I was the same way as you where I wasn't spectacular, but I definitely wasn't bad. Uh, I could get through, but then I had Sky, I had three lying. I had three it's brothers lying. in front of me who were who were stars. Yeah. One of my brothers got drafted out of high school, and so I sort of had these expectations from the coaches of like, wow, you're gonna be a star just like your brothers. But in reality, I was like, so so. I wasn't that bad, but I yeah. wasn't that good. Um, so you go through high school, you realize uh, you, you're more realistic with sports. What do you think you're going to be? What do you think? Where do you think your life is going after high school? Um. <laughs> At that point, I don't say I wouldn't say that I really knew, you know. I mean, and, and when you look back, obviously everybody thinks, "Oh my gosh, that just worked out perfectly." And and when you look at somebody, I mean, like you even say to me now, "Oh, I can't imagine you at that age." I mean, or seeing you getting rough and, and scraping the knees and everything, because you do see me in a suit all the time, and that's kind of my natural lifestyle now, and I'm very comfortable uh, with where I am, and I'm very fortunate. Um, but. I was very, very hesitant and, and unsure where I was going to be. 18 years old, graduate high school, and I choose Ohio University. 
And I think, oh yeah, this is where I'm going to go and I'm going to find myself. And, and, you know, I was always through high school even kind of a quiet, uh, you know, I had a very tight circle of friends and, and that was good with me. I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't like to talk to a whole bunch. I wasn't comfortable in my own skin even, you know, I was kind of shy. Um, and so I thought, I want to change a little bit of this. And I, and I thought, okay, I'm going to high university and I don't hardly know anybody, you know? And I thought I get there, I can kind of change a little bit of who I am. And I started to intentionally try to, I tried to intentionally open up a little more. I tried to intentionally come out of that shell away from just that close circle that I knew. Um, I don't know that I fully succeeded at that time in my life. I think I was still pretty unsure of who I was. I think I was still pretty unsure of what my life was looking like. And so it was a slow process. I met some great friends at Ohio U and it really helped me see the world differently. Growing up in Reynoldsburg, a lot of people were the same. It was at that time, you know, a lot of families from mom and dad are at home and, you know, everybody does the same kind of things. And yeah. I got to Ohio U and I'm like, wait a minute, your parents are divorced or, you know, you're, um, you didn't go to church or you, whatever. It could be. Different, you know, different, different perspectives on life. So yeah. very different. And it wasn't, it was, it was just a very different world that yeah. I was thrown into. And it, and it was a great thing for me to have my eyes open to so many more opportunities that were out there. And I started saying, okay, what is it that I need to do? What am I going to get excited about? Um, going to high university again, I knew that sports weren't going to be the next step for me. And, you know, I, I thought about going to some smaller schools and maybe trying out for teams. But again, that's, that kind of ties back to the other part. I kind of knew, you know, by this point, I'm not going to be doing anything with, with sports other than enjoying them. And, you know, I mean, I still enjoy them to this day. I still get to play basketball leagues and, you know, I play sport. I, I love it. And I still do it to this day. But I knew at that point I got to find a way to do something else. So I enjoyed the sports and I enjoyed that I was going to do that. But college is where I started to say, okay, what am I going to do? My freshman year, it was everything under the sun, again, except funeral service. That freshman year, I, I looked into, uh, again, coaching, thinking of the sports. I took a coaching, intro to coaching class. I thought about education and going into the classroom and being a, being a teacher. Uh, I thought about you know, going into psychology and working with people. Um, I took an accounting class in high school that I liked, and I thought, oh, maybe accounting would be a good thing. I mean, I was as far away from one thing to the other as could be. Truly no idea what it was going to be. Um, so what I kept coming back to is, what is it that I want to do? And I, and I would just continue to ask myself, not what job do I want to have, but what do I want to do? And what I continued to come to every time was, I want to be involved with people. I want to do something where I connect. I want to do something where I'm making a difference in others' lives. I want to do something that is going to be um, taking me outside myself, something that I can give back. You know, those were the things that I kept coming that I want to do. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what that career was. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And, and that could, again, that could have been sports, that could have been coaching, that could have been teaching. But it seemed like every time that I would go down a path to explore, I'd find that, well, you know, I don't know if I want to take that class. Or, you know, I'd go and talk to somebody and then I'd have trouble finding the information that I need. Now, now how would your, when you say you were going through this, this sort of journey, how, did, how were your feelings during that? Were you, did you have anxiety about it? Did you just not think about it? Was it just normal for you? 
because I see a lot of people going through the same thing, a lot of mm-hmm. my peers, and some people handle it differently. Some people get really, you know, they have a lot of anxiety about it. Some people oh. ask for everyone for advice. Yeah. So give us a little bit of, of how you felt when you were going through this sort of choosing the rest of your life because it's such a hard decision to it make. Is. Um, it, it was, I didn't stress, you know, and, and you know, I, I always want to be honest. I want to be, I want to be truthful and let people know. I mean, you know, I was, I wasn't stressed about things. I was very fortunate. I worked, always worked really hard, you know, and, and mom and dad, I was blessed with them to help me with college. So I didn't have the, the stress and the anxiety that I've got to work, you know, 40 hours a week and go to school and get the grades and do it. So I was, I was pretty fortunate. Like I said, when I started Ohio University, uh, I, I kept my job at Kroger. I started up, I've been working at Kroger here for years transferred to the Kroger down in Athens and I was able to work. I had a job. I was able to kind of contribute and help with, with those resources. You know, I always felt like I owed my mom and dad something. I always, again, I always felt like I wanted to um, do right by them. You know, I wanted to make sure I was doing that. They were a great support system for me. I talked with them, um, you know, a couple times a week. Um, it was pre-email, pre-texting. Um, we actually talked, picked the phone up and, and we would talk. Um, so the conversations were a brief, but, you know, there's usually a Sunday night phone call. Uh, I, I would come back home about once a month, you know, wasn't too far away. So I'd drive home and got to see my friends around in Reynoldsburg and got to be with mom and dad and do a whole bunch of laundry. You know, well, I, mom did a whole bunch of laundry. Right. <laughs> I got to be real and give her credit. She did it all. Um, so it was a good thing. And, and, and I did not have to stress. Uh, but inside me, I thought, what am I going to do? I mean, I was concerned. So that's probably a better way to say it. I'm stressed because it seemed like everything that I would try to look into, it just didn't, I didn't get that feeling like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I I even looked into, you know, I was thinking about the military. I I started taking uh, ROTC, military science classes, my freshman year. And and that really helped me a lot. I got involved into the the early, uh, as as a freshman in ROTC, and I thought, you know, maybe that's what I'm going to do. You know, I thought about dad's uh, career in the Navy and he always talked positively about it. So I looked down that avenue and I spent that whole year getting more involved into things through the through the military. And I thought, you know, maybe that's the path. What, turn, what turned you off of the military? I'm curious. Nothing turned me off. Um, it, it was still the involvement. My freshman year, I took every, you know, military science all the way through. I got involved into the, uh, to Ohio University's Ranger program, to Ohio University's Purging Rifle program. Uh, the Association of U.S. Army. I mean, all these things. I was like, "This is good," and and it kind of for me at that time replaced the the fact that I didn't have the team like you always did. You know, there was always a there's always a sports team, and so you always had study hall, study groups, yep. and so you know there was always the physical training side, and so there's things like the getting into ROTC and these different programs helped me, and so because I did that, I wasn't committed to the military by any means at that point. That was still where they were kind of saying, "Hey." Check these things out yeah. that we have to offer you. So it never turned me off from it. Um, but what happened then when I got further along was when the funeral service side started to come to me. And I said, well, let me look into what it looks like to take classes and what that path would be. And so that's where it really wasn't so much that I got turned off from ROTC and turned off from military, but more the fact that I was realizing in, into my sophomore year at that point now where uh, if I'm going to come into the funeral home with mom and dad, the classes that I start to take lead me to a path that pulls me to a different college and that cuts out that ROTC process. Now, I could have certainly stayed. I could have gone through the ROTC program, 
uh, could have you know continued the military and still gone on with funeral service. That's an option that could have been there. But when I started looking into funeral service, when I started thinking about, is this what fits for me? It began to make sense and the doors started to open. And so it was more than that I focused on that. And I started thinking through things. You know, when I would graduate college and get everything done and become licensed in, the, in as a funeral home, as a funeral director, my dad was turning 65. You know, so if I were to, if I decided that that's what I wanted to do, then the timing was about right. And so for me to think, okay, I'll serve in, you know, ROTC, then I'll go through the, the, the commission, then I'll go through getting my license, which means I could go back to school for, that's where I started thinking, gosh, that puts me pretty far out, puts mom and dad on their own in, until a little bit later years where they kind of needed help. So it began, it became more of the draw that I thought mom and dad kind of needed me to be back with them. Um, like I said, it was dad was 65, mom 63 when I started to come back full time with them. And so that's, you know, a time where, again, a lot of parents are thinking, man, I'm 65, I get to retire. You know, and mom and dad are like, okay, we kind of need some help. And so it became the draw that I would be able to come home be with my parents, be with what then I, as I started thinking of what I was going to do, it started to fit the, what do I want to do? And it became the job that that fit the what. So what particularly about the funeral home drawed you to it? And actually, as you do that real quick, you can answer that question. So what, what exactly drew you to the funeral home industry? And, and you know, you obviously were close to your parents when you guys, when they were working here. So tell us a little bit about, you know, just what you loved out of funeral home service. What, what were the, the, the particular things? Um, so when we start with it, of what, what drew me here, I guess, you know, the other part that I always share about where I came into funeral service uh, was it was after my freshman year and, and we were talking one day. My dad and I went to lunch after church one Sunday and uh, at a place called Chi Chi's. So when we think about generational things here, Chi Chi's is. Chi Chi's. Yeah, I heard of it. I'm sure you've heard of it. You've been around, but. So, um, wait, educate me. What's Chi Chi's? <laughs> it is, uh, it was, uh, it was a Mexican restaurant around the, around the area. Okay. Uh, pretty, pretty big time. You know, it was very well known, very popular. Um, and you Mom talked to, about Chi Chi's. Yeah. <laughs> she did. <laughs> it, was, it was good stuff. And uh, they missed they, out. They were, you know, like every restaurant that kind of has their glory days. You know, I yeah. get to live through the glory days of Chi Chi's. So, <laughs> uh, but you know, it became. What's cool about it is Chi Chi's became then a part of my personal story too, because that was truly where I can see it as plain as day. My dad and I one Sunday after church having this conversation, and we just went there, and it was you know there was nobody was planning on that being a life-changing meal Chi-chi's, it was yeah. we're going to chi-chi's <laughs> like yeah dad let's go that's, such a, that's such a funny thing to me it's like yeah. chi-chi's built bars it, there <laughs> like, you go uh, <laughs> in more ways than one um, but you know my dad and i love to eat and and to share a good meal with him and and to have that connection to still say that day is what really changed it for me it was between my freshman and sophomore year and even though I, you know i've shared very openly I always put off. Are you going to go in funeral service? Are you going to go? I always said no. You know, it's not. So what they I did. They did do. ask you a lot. No, mom and dad. Okay. Uh, just general people. General. Public, okay. You know, you're going to do this. But mom and dad never did. Mom and dad never pushed me to do this. They never pushed me to come into the funeral home. It was always 
in their view that God had a plan. You know, they were very religious, very spiritual people, and they believed that God had a plan, and it was not their job to push whatever that plan may be onto me. It was my job to figure it out. So they were support, they were encouraging, but they were not the, we're going to push you to A, B, or C. So I don't know if it's a cultural thing or is it just like where you're raised or what. But my dad was from the beginning, from yeah, from the maybe it's I was a born, hey, you want to work with me in the garage? <laughs> hey, you want to come do this? Yeah. Hey, you should be a mechanic. And I think it's a, I think it's like a, a father son kind of thing. Because I'm always telling everyone like when I get a kid, like he's he's playing football. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's gonna, and exactly he's gonna be a freaking, he's gonna be an NBA star or yeah, something. Yeah. Like he's gonna be great. And wait till you have the cutest right. little girl. <laughs> right. And like, oh my gosh, she changed my world. What do I do? I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, and that's yeah. kind of what I always thought too. Um, but even now, I, I, I love how my parents raised me. I'm not perfect. My parents weren't perfect. They're pretty close to it. My parents were amazing, but they never pushed me. It was, you know, it was just we're here. You know, what yeah. do you need? You know, my dad was my superhero. They were my role models. They were my icons. But they never pushed to do something. And so I'm trying to do that now. You know, I don't want my kids to feel like this is their destiny. Um, would I like it? Yeah, you know, I you know, being blind if I don't say, man, next generation would be pretty cool. That would make my parents pretty proud. But I don't know what that's going to be. Yeah. So I, you know, I think there's something though about that father son bond. You're right. Mm-hmm. You want that kid to love what you love, and and you find yourself trying to share your passions with them. Um, and and that's a cool thing. It so is. so kind of off topic, kind of not switching gears a little bit to more of the business side of things. Uh, there's a common stat that goes around in business uh, saying that the, the more a business goes down generations, the more a business is handed down, the yep. more likely it will fail. Yep. How did you always feel about that? That's stat? a real statistic. Yep. Oh, yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And truly, I didn't know that as a kid. You know, again, when I went into uh, college and tried to figure it all out, I, d- I just didn't know. Yeah. Um, that day at Chi Chi's when dad said, well, you know, the funeral home is an option. I mean, that's the extent of the pressure I ever got from my parents. Wow. The funeral home is an option. And that's... Battery. It's fine. Keep going. Oh. So, <laughs> uh, so when, when he said, you know, the funeral home is an option, I started... That's what changed just my way of thinking. That's when I started um, saying, is that what I want to do? I, I don't know. That, that seems to fit. So maybe it would be. I didn't know that small businesses were more likely to fail in the next generation. Yeah. I didn't know, I didn't know that either. Yeah, I didn't know that small businesses are the hardest to keep going even in the first generation. You know, most small businesses fail. Next generation fail even further. The third, it's even less likely. So, the specific statistics, truly I don't know, but I know that the numbers do definitely show the the further along second third generations um, are a lot more likely to fail. Now, had I known that when I chose to come in with mom and dad, I might have been I might have been scared. At that yeah. time, I was probably too naive to be scared. Sorry, new studio. Yeah. Getting the kicks out. <laughs> what? I was probably too naive to be scared. I didn't realize yeah. that I was supposed right. to be intimidated. What yeah. were all your friends doing at the time? Not really. You don't have to go like too far into deep, but <laughs> I, I know like right now for me, it's like I'm, I'm looking at Jared and I look at a lot of our other friends, not as like role models, but as like, I look at him as like, okay, I'm in a decent path like they are. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm in as the right thing. direction, right, as a measuring thing. Like, what what were all your friends doing around the time? Like, were they in your ear at all 
too because like i know yeah, and did they have any thoughts on like barth you what were you doing going right to the funeral home industry or no they were, that part they didn't you know there wasn't a you're gonna do what type mentality i mean the closest friends that i had um they were they were still at that time through college they my two close friends went to two different colleges you know oh. we didn't we didn't i went to ou they didn't go to the same place they went different spots um, but again, come back home and we'd hang out, we'd whatever. Um, they weren't like, oh my gosh, what are you doing now? You know, when I decided to transfer from Ohio University to Cincinnati, where I would go to mortuary school, you know, people weren't saying like, oh my gosh, are you, are you kidding me? You're going to do what? So it, it really, that didn't really happen. It's strange, you know, when I think about it, um, the college years, we, we had a good time, you know, but it was... It was two years, my freshman, sophomore year, that, that I had the most fun of my college. And we hung out, and, and I went to classes, and I just kind of lived a basic college lifestyle. Worked my job at Kroger some, um, worked at home in the summer, you know. But it was, it, it was just, you know, we just kind of hung out. We didn't, we didn't talk of, so what's your big career goals, and what are you going to do? What do you want to be when you're 30? What do you hope to accomplish by then? Um, it was a, it was a good time. And so when, when I decided that the funeral home was where I was going, I had a couple of people from Ohio like, Oh man, we're going to miss you. Wish you weren't, you know, leaving, wish you're going to be here. These, you know, I built friendships with them over a couple of years and I had to transfer to go somewhere else because again, pretty specialized program. So if that's when I committed, I went all in, you know, I'm like, yeah. okay, that's what I got to do. So that's kind of what it was. And then when I got to Cincinnati for the, for that time to, to finish up my last junior and senior years of college, I was too busy working. You know, at that point, I knew what I was going to do. And, and I worked at a funeral home down there, lived at a funeral home. I worked full-time plus. It was just, you know, nonstop knowing this is what I'm going to do. And if I just keep my head down and push for these next two years, um, I'm going to be very happy at the end of it. So that's what I spent those junior and senior years was working hard at school, working hard in the funeral home, um, and, and focusing on getting that time done. So I'm really uh, curious. We're pressed on time here, but I really want to know. So you you graduate college, or you're in your junior senior year. Mm-hmm. When you're in your junior and senior year, do you ever think of I have to start learning business along with mortuary science, or was it just a I'm going to focus directly on the funeral home stuff? You know, I, unfortunately, I never did. I there was uh, at at my college in Cincinnati. We took a there was required business class, right? The, class. It was exactly yeah. But it, you know what, it never, it never really entered my mind that, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to run this business. So unfortunately, I will say on that side, when I got out of college, I was unprepared. I knew the funeral home well. Um, and, and I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm going to go back with mom and dad and they've run the business. And, you know, what I then realized, I got back and I started doing the funeral home side, the typical parts where I'm caring for people and caring for families slowly then I got integrated that, okay, mom and dad want to also step back from, from this part of it. And in order for us to be successful, we have to manage a business. We have to take care of all these different parts. And so it wasn't until well after I was licensed, it wasn't until well after a couple years in that I'm with mom and dad that I, that I'm thinking I've got to take over this part of it. I've got to learn and understand more of this. So I began working closer with the accounting agency that we had at that point. I began working closer with them to understand what we needed to do better. Um, 
mom and dad were great people. Fantastic at what they did and fantastic at who they were. They weren't the best business people. You know, they were focused on taking care of our families and taking care of what they needed to do, raising us as kids and raising our family. So I started to realize I got to do a little bit better to get us to the next yeah. next level. And so we began to you know really look at that. And I began to study what I had to do. And I began to learn some of those things on my own. I uh, had, again, a good company that, that my parents had chosen many years before that handled our accounting and handled that book work for us. And so I, I asked a lot of questions. And I just said, okay, how do I do this now? What do you need from me? And what can I get from you? So it began to be a little bit of learn on my own. And, um, you know, in that sense, I'm still a little bit, you know, things I got to improve on. You know, I never had, you know, the hardcore, you know, I got my master's in business administration or anything. You know, I, I have a lot of years experience of learning how to lead, how to manage our team and how to handle the business assets and how to help us serve our families best. So it definitely became learning as I go, kind of studying the things as I go, reaching out to great resources that I would have to help me understand benefits and what I needed to study on those things and how I would do it. So, um, but from day one, when I stepped out, out of college, uh, I, I had a lot of work yeah. to do. Yeah. So then fast forwarding, uh, when you get out of college, when you when you start working at the funeral home, sooner or later you uh, take over the funeral home. Take us into a little bit of how you get to where you're at now, where you're serving on Reynoldsburg City Council. Was uh, government service, was public uh, service ever a thought in your mind before that point? Just like funeral service, it was not like the, the, the public service part is not anything that I ever thought I would be involved yeah. in. Um, so as I got further along with understanding how to not only serve our families, but how to manage the funeral home and how to lead the funeral home and our team, as I started to understand the connectivity of the value there will allow us to serve our families better. It'll allow us to manage our costs. It'll allow us to take care of people by doing all those things and understanding that it allowed me to grow and it allowed me to have our team grow and serve again, back to serving our families better. So with what we do, it's so personal and we create connections and true relationships. It's not about, you know, a logo on a billboard, uh, a jingle on a commercial. It's about the person that I see at Kroger. It's about the, the person that I, you know, coach somebody's child in youth sports or the person who I coached or who coached me in youth sports that I've cared for. So it's all about relationships and it's all about who we are in this community. So through the years, I always tried to find ways to invest more into Reynoldsburg. That was always our priority is if the church is in town called and said, hey, we need money for a program we're going to put on. Uh, if the school's called and said, hey, we're doing a, you know, a, a flyer or we're doing a, a bulletin for this event or the church says they're doing a bulletin or the... The, the schools are doing yep. a yearbook ad. We wanted, to, we wanted to contribute to that. So it was always to me a way that I felt we're contributing. We're donating to what's happening in this community. And the more we give back into Reynoldsburg, that's where we're going to invest our dollars. We're going to, you know, we created a scholarship years ago because we want to see students from our community grow and thrive. Yeah. So it was always about doing that. So years later, as I kept doing more and more, people were asking me, you, know, you need to get involved into city government. Why don't you think about city council? Why don't you think? 
again, it was never something that I had any interest in. I didn't have a background in government, politics, nothing. I had a background in funeral service. Yeah. As I started thinking more and more on it, though, and people continued to ask, I thought, well, I always want to make sure I'm involved. You know, I want to be connected. And the way that got me first really involved in anything was when I ran a school levy campaign. You know, there was a, mm. at that time our, our uh, school superintendent and a person who I admired greatly who had been on the school board, uh, they called me in. They said, hey, we've got this school levy um, renewal fund that we want you to be the chair of. And I looked at them like they were crazy. I mean, <laughs> at that point, I was, you know, young. I didn't feel adequate to do that type of job, but they saw something in me and they asked me to work with another person and partner in that. And I said, you know, long story short, I said, yes, you know, I'll, I'll do it. I was honored, but I, I, I wasn't sure they had the right person at first. Yeah. Um, it was, it was a basic renewal of a campaign and it passed and, you know, we connected. And, and so it was at that time I thought, well, gosh, you know, maybe getting involved into these things is a good way to reach more and connect more into our community. And so after that, like I said, that's when people were asking, you know, thinking about running, hey, why don't you get involved? And uh, an opportunity on city council came up. Someone retired. And so I, you know, put my name in the hat to say, hey, I'd like to serve on city council. And uh, I got appointed to that position. And I spent that time understanding more about the budget of the city, more about the limited resources that were there at the time and how to best try to manage that and how to work together with others to try to build something good in our community. So it started very basic, it started very small, and it started in a way that, you know, was me saying, I don't think that's for me. And just like funeral service, it became part of who I am and it grew. And I love, you know, being a funeral director and I love serving our community, getting involved in the city council. It's allowed me to understand to a deeper level what goes on, both the good and the bad, and how I can be a voice in that and use the skills that I've developed through the years and build those relations or the relationships that I've built to listen to people to say, what do we need to do here in Moundsburg? How do we fix yeah. things? How do we make them better? How do we take something that's not so good and make it a little bit more? And, um, you know, that's kind of what's been cool about council is just more of those relationships and more of those opportunities to help grow our community. This, this, um, so for the past 10 minutes or so, it, it, this is exactly why I wanted to work at Cotner Funeral Home. And it's exactly why when we first met, um, I was like, yeah, this is a perfect place for me because uh, what you just said is exactly how I feel about where I should be working. I want to work somewhere that their, their mission is not just to sell a product, even though that's, that's a fine thing to do, provide jobs and stuff like that. But I want to work somewhere who, who truly cares about the community, who truly cares about the relationships that they're building with their customers. Uh, so that was exciting for me and it's still exciting me every day I come into work. Um, and I think that's a big part though, you know, for anybody, when you understand you know, one of the books I, I, I'm going to a lot right now is it starts with why, you know, it's such a great book and just understanding why do, why do people do what they do, you know? And, and so when I, when you asked earlier about what I wanted to do, you know, I didn't have the book at that time that put the words into it, but I kept thinking everything, it wasn't looking for a job title. I was like, what's, yeah. what, what are these skills that I have, these passions that I have, what's going to fit into the job title? And so, you know, when I think about that now and I think about that book and talks about, really who we are you know it is it's genuine it's yeah. who we are it's what we want to do and it's why we do we, we truly want to connect we truly want to make differences yeah so great um so we're running out of time okay. i want to play a little game uh before we stop uh, we told barth about this a little bit uh before the podcast uh we're going to pick three items okay. 
or, or games or, or people or places or things, you have to name what they are okay. and what they do or what their use is in society. All right. So we're going to go first. Then you're going to pick three uh, from back in your olden days, as Austin would olden say. Olden days. <laughs> <laughs> from back when you guys wrote on tablets. So I keep saying, we keep saying, you know, throwing these, the shade at me about this old guy. <laughs> I'm ready to go anytime. Come no, play one but, on one. but re- you're right. That and <laughs> he just challenged you. You got to do hey, it now. I'll take that we're challenge gonna, any day. We're going to record it. But like when you were talking about while he's pulling this up, when you were talking about growing up in Reynoldsburg, you were talking about, you know, going to the park back then when it was a basketball court. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, now it's a skate park. But the same thing, you know, you go there, you hang out all day there, get hot, go to the pool. Yeah. You know, that was like. Great every times. every Reynoldsburg kid's summer right there in a nutshell all the time. Yeah. And, you know, that's still to me why I love sports so much. I mean, I love to play, but I think of all the friendships and the connections mm-hmm. that I make and that I continue to make yeah. just because of playing a game. Yeah. You know, I exactly. have some of the greatest friendships because we met each other on the basketball court. Or we met each other playing baseball or whatever it is. And it's a bond that is really cool. And you always have that excuse, oh, let's go play golf, yep. you know, whatever it is. And there's so much more than just the actual game. 100%. People You're not straying away that. from this game, though. can take that <laughs> lesson in so life, too. We're going to have this on the screen for the All viewers. Right. What is that, and what is its function in society? Okay. I feel like you got to know that one, too. You got sure. you got a okay. kid. Yeah, you, you, you started me off with a pretty softball. Really, I threw you a softball. And I'm going to be honest. I got to give I got to throw out credit where it belongs to my boy. <laughs> and so that is Fortnite. There you go. Uh, and uh, as long as you don't ask me doing Fortnite dances, I think we're good. That's what we should have uh, done. That's the first one. <laughs> but I do know that one thanks to my son. That's the only <laughs> reason. So this next one is a person. So you're going to tell us what his... Uh, what his name might be. You're going to guess his name, and okay. then you're going to guess what he does in society. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. This is kind of hard because this gentleman <laughs> definitely doesn't look the part, but all right, it's pretty solid. So I want you to guess his name. Oh, man. <laughs> and guess what his role is in his, society. His real name, well, I won't wow. give it away, but. His name. Yeah. All right. I, I, don't, I don't have a clue what his name Just is. Just give, give us a guess. So this name. Okay, we're. Wait, real, no, this is an easier way. This is a nickname. Tell us what you think his career job is first, yeah, yeah. and then that, we'll tell you his first. career, and then you can tell us his name. I still don't think I'm going to ever get a real name, so we'll uh, we'll, we'll have to come up with uh, an alias, but I'm going to say this guy is a, um, he is a music producer and uh, <laughs> loves to help create the latest and greatest new artist. Can you guess what genre he's from? You're right on that. Well, he's not a producer. You say I'm right on that? He's not a producer. He's now. an artist. He's well, an artist. I, I, I bet he has some producer He produces, credits. right. I he probably right. produces a lot so of his own. he's an artist and producer. Wow. Can, right. you get, can you guess what genre he's in? Huh. Um, if he guesses this, I'm going <laughs> to flip this table. I'm gonna, <laughs> um, since you also said it, it, it wouldn't look the part... Is it some type of hip hop? Ah, he yeah. got it. He got it. Am I even using the right terminology? Yeah, no, you're right. Hip-hop you're right. Yeah. Okay. I would say hip hop rap. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not Vanilla Ice, so you know I, I don't it's know. The exact opposite of Vanilla Ice. <laughs> that's uh, that's Logic. So this is Logic, name. and this gentleman is actually African American. Well, one half, isn't he? Well, a third, I think. A third? Some, some he's, crazy ratio. Yeah, okay. but he's African-American okay. a little bit at his least. His name is Logic. I've never heard of Logic. Bo- Logic. Bobby Tarantino, I think, is his real name. Okay. So there you go. Right. That's that. But he's That's a gamer, too. So, I mean, gotcha. your son actually might have him on his See, playlist. If you asked me who Ninja was or something, I could actually answer something. Really? That's again, crazy. 
So this is a piece of tech. You're going to guess what this piece of tech is called. You see, but that's too easy. <laughs> USB? Is that all right? No, 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 no but... Okay. Don't, don't guess before all you right, look right. at it. Um, so what is it called and what is its function? It goes to an iPhone. There you go. Um, so that part, the, this you're, part... You're, right, you're, the you're on the right trail. And... And this part does what? Plugs into a speaker. It's a significance because a lot of kids hate it. Yeah. Headphones. I mean, wired. Headphones? <laughs> You're right. Yeah, You're totally yeah. Right. Yep. So, you do you it. when you do you have the do what what iPhone do you have, Barth? This one. <laughs> this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice answer. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, like... just show us the bottom. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. So you have the same. So you you've seen these before with your phones. Okay. So right. The, yeah. These exactly what you said. Your okay. your your iPhone doesn't have a, a headphone jack, so right. it plugs into the bottom. Gotcha. Then you listen to your headphones. And now you can't charge your phone yep. while you're listening to music. Yeah. So now you have the extra battery thing on the back there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I use I do use my phone a lot. Yeah. So it's that's nice surprising. To have. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it is an iPhone. It's yeah. All right. Now it's your turn. Do you all FaceTime right. at all? Um. Not much, but every now and then, you know, okay. uh, recently when the kids were, I was, kids were on vacation and I was yeah. back, you know, we, we FaceTime some. So, you know, I'm pretty fortunate. My, my kids are right here. So I usually get to see them every day. That's true. So. We had to take FaceTime away from my mom. Why? <laughs> she overused it. That's well, a story well, for another time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. Too much FaceTime. Barth, I'm excited for your, for your objects. Well. Or object or however, <laughs> however many you got. I mean, so the, the. The problem with mine, though, is... The name you, is on you, it? You didn't give me a whole lot of notice on it. I did not. I did not so, at all. Um, so I'm, I'm, Our future guests will get more of a notice. We're very new school, though, so... Uh, <laughs> all right, hold on. Here. Uh, you might get us... So, but, so while we were preparing this, listeners, <laughs> we come in and, and we go, yeah, we're going to pick three things from nowadays that we don't think you're going to get. And then you're going to pick three things from, from when you were younger... That we're gonna try to guess, and Austin goes, "Yeah, like a washboard." <laughs> <laughs> a washboarder. What did you say? Uh, a horse and buggy. A horse and buggy. That's. I mean, no, that's around the same era, I think. You just model so T. Much. He's gonna show us a model T car. <laughs> Not far off. All right. So again, I, I didn't get a whole lot of notes. I think it's. A no, you're cool, fine. You're it's fine. A cool, fun game, but. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll with, definitely give our guests future note. With more notice. notice. This is what you to, got. I was able to come up. Let's with see if we can get things. it, Austin. I'm really excited. I was able to watch. come up with a few things. So that's oh. Austin knows this. Oh yeah, that's so 35, 35 millimeter film. Right. I, we still use that today. It's making a comeback. I don't. It's, it's making a I've huge comeback. Right. People, you said you've seen it? I've never seen those in real life. People would rather shoot on film. Yeah. Than with regular cameras, they have phones mm. on apps on your phone now that make a photo look dingy and old. <laughs> And well, unclear. It is like it is like that old. It's a new trend. Thing. Yeah, okay. they the disposable cameras are making a comeback too. It's incredible. Yeah, I our, our photos didn't look dingy and old. They look pretty good. You know. Yeah. Our, our technology through the well, you, know, you give 80s, a kid 90s wasn't all that bad. Give a kid that camera nowadays, it's gonna oh, look yeah, like yeah. <laughs> it's gonna look terrible. All right, so you got that one. Yeah, we got um, that one. All right. So I would I would give him credit for all three. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that's true. For all I three did of his guesses. Enough? Yeah, it yeah, was close enough. I didn't think you were going to get logic at all. I thought he was going to guess like 
I think the glasses. No, I think it was the glasses and the haircut in that picture too. Maybe, maybe. Because those are those like artistic glasses. You know, you're the, right. You're right. Actually, I should have picked the one with him with the glasses off. He had kind of a musical type look to it. Just a know? look. Really? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. did. He had kind of a cool. He's like, right. He's a good. Be pretty hip. I was gonna. Just, I was gonna pick another guy. He's uh, a pretty Post notable Malone. artist. He, but he has face tats, so I, I a thought lot you of would face definitely guess him. Yeah. He kind of more looks like a prisoner. That's a gear shift? Stick shift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick okay, shift. Cool. So, again, Austin seemed pretty confident. Okay. You were kind I was, of... I was like, and, that's, and that makes me sad because I'm a mechanic son. Right. So, like, I should know that for sure. But you should have asked us, do we know how to drive stick? That's, that's, <laughs> another, that's another question. No. Have no Never, idea. Heck so, you don't no. know which direction does what? No. Mm-hmm. no I mean, no. I know I know the gears, obviously, from, like, dirt bikes, but that's it. Yeah, I couldn't. You no you put me in a stick and I'm no idea. I'm gonna crash it. Yeah, for sure. Or blow the <laughs> transmission. Blow the yeah, transmission. You're either one. Be, yeah. So uh, okay. Well, that was that was. We're two for two. Kind of got it. Out. We're 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 there. on the fake stick wave with the, the cars oh, yeah, yeah. with the sport <laughs> mode where you just shift it up and down. The the man, the manual shift. All right yeah. then. How about that? Ah, oh, I was like, I was like, what are you trying to show us here? That's the, the one of roll, our friends had that windows. in his car. <laughs> you did? You still have a friend that drives one? Yeah, well, he did. Okay. As, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, the last Casey. Time I've seen that. Sorry, Casey. But <laughs> no, no, yeah, he just put Casey on blast. Yeah, his old okay. car had those, and it was great. Yeah. yeah, but I remember that was a struggle because yeah, I was a struggle. At one point in time, I couldn't roll the window down. <laughs> All it takes is it gets off track, you know, and you're yeah, and then want to roll. And, uh, yeah. Mine was like, my mom would tell me to come in. She's like, roll up your window first. And I'm like, <laughs> super <laughs> I want to play video games. <laughs> you get some incredible arm strength from those, though. Yeah, so right. they were still hanging around yeah. when you guys grew up. But okay. All right. Yeah, well, give me give me a little more notice next so time. It's, no, it's really. tied. Yeah, yeah. No, the this. thing is, though, is like you were on the right path yeah, yeah, yeah. with yeah. what you were giving us. Yeah. I figured you were going to give us like a Nokia brick phone or something. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Well, so it's see. been a, a great episode with you, Barth. There you uh, go. That was my other one. There we go. Oh, jeez, yeah. we had it. Oh. Just in case, there. Those big things. It's Which been one a great was that? episode with oh, you, Barth. Right. Um, I love talking to you. Uh, there were a million more questions I could have asked, but we're <laughs> running out of time. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back on the next episode sometime next week. So join us for that. Thank you so much. Cool. Great job.